Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. Welcome back to uh, our podcast. We're always encouraged to uh, have you join us. And regardless of uh, when you join us uh, or via what channel um, is irrelevant, uh, the fact that you are here and uh, sharing uh, our message of hope uh, because we are in this together. So as you continue to go to recoveryguy.org, uh, you can support us through the uh, uh, patreon.com forward slash recovery guy, or just follow the link from our website. You can find me on uh, Instagram recovery underscore guy. You can even uh, link to my website, my cell phone numbers there. You can DM me, you can email me, reach out to me as so many people do and let me know what I can do to encourage you along the way. And if you are looking for life or sober coaching, we can have that conversation as well. Either way, I am so glad you're here. Hey, let's just jump right into the deep end of the pool today. Uh, today's podcast is entitled No Risk, No Reward. That whole risk-reward approach that we have to take if we are going to get well. As so many of you know, I struggled early on in my recovery back in 1986, and I had that relapse after 71 days because I wasn't willing to risk. I wasn't willing to let you know who I really was and how afraid I really was and how inadequate I really felt. Therefore, there was not going to be a positive reward, right, uh, waiting for me. A risk is very simple. A risk is essentially taking a chance. A risk is essentially in, in the vernacular of recovery of putting ourselves out there. Now, a reward, there, there's positive and there's negative rewards. A reward is essentially an outcome, something we receive at the end of doing or not doing something. That's why on one hand, it sounds very positive, but my my reward or what I receive as a result of a negative behavior or negative response could be a negative reward. So risk reward with no risk, there is no reward. You know, as so many of you know, I just, I love music. One of my favorite groups, one of the most favorite groups that Laura and I have seen together and we've seen them four times is the Google, the Google Dolls. And John Resnick and Robbie have been doing this since the 80s, and they're just sensational. One of their most favorite uh, uh, titles, one of their most uh, famous songs is a song uh, uh, titled uh, Iris. And there's an incredible line that I think is very relevant to today's topic. And the, the lyrics of this song are phenomenal. Anyways, it's it's no idea. It may be the Google Dolls' most popular song. Uh, John writes and sings, I don't want the world to see me because I don't think they'd understand. 
when everything's made to be broken, I just want you to know who I am. And so John is writing here that he is surrounded by a world that doesn't understand him. And that obviously when we're in the middle of uh, a lack of understanding and we're crying out to be heard, to be known, to let others see us in that vulnerable condition, which we must get in if we are going to get well. Just like I have to give up power and relinquish all forms of power to even say I am powerless. In the in the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous, it says, I have to admit complete defeat. Right? And it says, who likes to do that? And, and then the adage is practically no one. But I must do that so I can get to step 11 and sought power, right? And and through an understanding of that power greater than myself. Anyway, so the transition John is talking about in a in 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 a world that's meant to be broken. I just want you to know who I am. He's he's willing to risk because John in the song Iris again understands the reward of being known by someone he cares for is so important. And yet he knows he's surrounded by this brokenness, that by this world that doesn't understand, yet he's willing to risk that just to be understood by someone, or in this case, even something which could be. So I think that's just really cool. I think that really helps set the stage for what we want to talk about today and no risk, no reward. You know, I have a I have a tattoo as you know, I have many tattoos, uh, probably 10 or 11 tattoos. And, and I'm going to get another one with my daughter, Sarah Jane, and then another one with my daughter, Frankie. I just think they're very, they can be very representative <clears throat> of things that we feel and relationships that we have and sort of tell a story about us. Anyway, I have a tattoo on my left arm and it's a lion. And, and I have the lion because of the representation of courage that the lion invokes. You know, when we say the serenity prayer, God grant me the serenity uh, to accept the things I cannot change. You know, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. So the courage, right? And that lion invokes courage. And I want to take it one step further because the the name of my lion, are you ready for this? My lion has a name, and it's not Linus or 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 or, or Leo. It is Sundiata. I was on the phone with with a person one day, and his name was Sundiata. And and in the course of our conversation, I was so intrigued by this name because I knew it had it had to have had rich. Uh, national or ethnic meaning to it. It was just such a sensational name, Sundiata, S-U-N-D-I-A-T-A, Sundiata. You can look this up for yourself. So this person told me that uh, he is from West Africa, and and the the West African name, Sundiata, it really is from a legendary person of the 13th century whose mom was a goddess. So she has this son. She names him Sundiata. And consequently, 
The, the legend of the Lion King actually comes from this. Again, Google it yourself, Sundiata. You'll love the story. But Sundiata means hungering lion. And I love the connotation of this name because it represents a person always moving forward, right? If it was just hungry lion, follow me now. If it was just hungry lion, you feed me and I'm not hungry anymore, right? And obviously till my next meal, till that wears off. But hungering means I'm always in search of something to take in. I'm always in search of that certain thing that helps satisfy this hunger. And what is my hunger? My hunger is to go from sickness to wellness. And and as sick as I was to the close to close to physical death, I obviously had already died mentally and emotionally and and spiritually. And the next was physically, sadly as so many do, in, in addiction that I want to always stay hungry. I always want to be growing. I always want to be learning. I always want to be sharing. You know, again, my daughter, Carol, uh, had suggested a new book for me called Willpower. And I'm so excited to, to read that because I want to learn more. I want to take in more. I want to explore more. My middle name is an adopted more. There's never enough for me. So my lion is named Sundiata. I always want to be moving forward. I want my recovery to be representative of always growing and striving, again, to become more well. As it says in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, we can become well. And my dear friend, uh, Tom Bennett said, we can become weller than the well. So how do we do that? We, we do that by always staying hungry. I must remain hungry. And I must be willing to risk if I want to find the reward. It's, it's essential. Now, moving forward in life, my, my risk becomes a little different. I have an expectation of a reward. You know, I love the adage uh, in, in the second step and came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Well, if, if doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is a, is a form of insanity, as I've mentioned before, then doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result, wouldn't that be sanity, right? Compare and contrast doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result as insanity, then sanity must be doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. And that's where I'm at. So for me and many of you out there in your length of sobriety and the quality that you have gained in your time, we've understood that I'm, I'm almost welcoming risk. I, I welcome it because I've been shown how amazing, consistent, 
and beautiful the reward can be. And I hope you found this for yourself. Now, having said that, uh, the risk does not come without its concern uh, and, and therefore the connection that it has to have with courage. But it's more understandable. You know, when we were out there, our risk was foolish because there's, there, there's really three types of risk, I think. I mean, obviously there's more. <laughs> Many cases, you're, you're, you can dig a little bit deeper than me after this. I don't want to get caught up in the minutia. But for the sake of argument, there's three basic types of what I consider risk. There's foolish risk, right? That that leads me to that powerlessness and understanding the unmanageability of my life that I uncover in step one, and really coming to terms with the things that I was doing and the the foolishness of them, even unto death. Um, and so there's foolish risk, thinking that I can that I can risk this like I did my family, my health, my job, my relationships, my finances. I was risking all of that, thinking that there was going to be some return while I stayed as sick as I was. I was risking things, but I was risking things foolishly. Again, why I need a second step. The second level is there's calculated risk. Calculated risk for me is, is when I, I sort of weigh things out. I'm starting to think with some, some sort of rational mind, either my own thinking as I measure things or, or as I see them through you. Again, the, the people that have been instrumental from early on, even to today, who are instrumental in my personal recovery are countless. Countless. But as you know, I had my sponsor, Jack. I had slow will even to this day. I have my friend, Buddy. I have Eddie. I have Steve. I have Scott. I had Texas Mike. I had Doc Irv. I had Richard H. I had Russian Ted. I had Abe. Again, the list goes on and on. I had Pete the Greek. There were so many people instrumental in showing me what to do that my risk became calculated as I moved forward in recovery. So I had my foolish risk when I was out there ripping and running. And then when I came to recovery, I was minimizing my foolish risk, wasn't making the same mistakes, right? I On my relapse, I did. I foolishly risked again, thinking that I could safely consume alcohol and drugs, and this time it was going to be different, right? Ever, ever say that? Oh, I sure did. This time, and you know what? It wasn't different. The only thing that was different, and I thank God for this every day, is that I didn't have to stay out there as long as it took me to get there. I was very fortunate that my relapse lasted five days, and I understood as I sat in the Rhett Butler Motel 
trying to recapture that feeling of being an almost. And I realized that what I was risking was foolishness. And, and it will, it is true. A-A-N-A-O-A, whatever 12-step group or, or recovery, it will screw up your using. It screwed up my drinking. It screwed up my using. I could not recapture because I knew that there was another way. And my risk of going back was a, a very calculated risk because you had demonstrated to me in your love and your care and your compassion that if I was willing to give some of me, even incrementally, a dose at a time, then my reward was that you would show me how much you cared about me with no other reason or motive than demonstrating your care. And what an exchange that was. And now today, I've gone from foolish risk when I was out there ripping and running to a calculated risk as I was learning about the exchange that you were offering me and that God was offering me. And and, and I even responded to, to, to a friend of mine on Instagram today and, and quoting, you know, the God could and would if he were sought. And that calculated risk isn't whether or not I can recover or I can get well, but whether or not I'm willing to risk trusting God as I understand God in step three, right? Made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood God. Making that decision, taking that risk, right? And there I risk and I learn and I risk and I learn. And the reward is step 11, you know, where I sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. The reward is power. I risk in step one, two, and three. I begin action in four and five. I learn to trust more in six and seven. I begin to risk again in steps eight and nine. And my rewards are left out as I continue to do my maintenance steps in steps 10, 11, and 12. Risk reward are a part of all of this. There's so many wonderful cliches that we can apply to the 12 steps of recovery that they are endless. And that's one of the beautiful things I love about recovery. You know, we we come from different places and different levels of thinking and intellectual understanding and education and an emotional connection that no matter where we're coming from, you know, it was told to me that the program of recovery is like this giant adjustable crescent wrench that will fit any nut that walks in. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? And that's what it is. So no matter who you are, where you come from, what your makeup, what your background is, doesn't matter. If we're willing to risk, our reward is so common, is so similar. We get so many of the things back. If you listen to a Tuesday's podcast on Just Stay, and I talk about my family and, and, the, and the weekend we had last weekend and everything leading up to that and, and how the reward is so unbelievable. But you know what? I decided to just stay, to stick around, right? Don't leave five minutes before the miracle happened. And then I was willing to risk 
and risk on both sides, even the relationships I have with my daughters today, especially Kathleen and Carol, and even Frankie, are a result of us risking because we knew that there was a reward that was beyond even our understanding. And today we enjoy that. So now my risk, you would say it's it's not risk, but it really is. But I just see it differently. Today, the risk I take, I consider it a sure thing because I know, I am convinced that as I continue to risk, that I continue to put myself out there, I'm convinced that I'm going to grow, that my benefit will always be positive, even if I don't see it now or in the way that I want to see it, there will be a reward for me. And so now I'm, I look forward to risk because the reward for me is a sure thing. And it's almost like when I went through uh, the, the hierarchy of need with Maslow and, and the, the top uh, is self-actualization. And that's where I want to be an understanding risk and reward as a sure thing. I'm going to go through a few things, risk, reward, uh, with you, and then we'll just discuss them quickly and we'll call it a day. But if you're not risking, don't wonder why you're not getting a reward. And if I can help you in this matter, would you DM me, please? Would you reach out to me? Let me know how I can help you overcome those obstacles to, to remove any block to your becoming well. To you, uh, as my dear friend and sponsor, Slow Will, would say, to be happy, joyous, and free. Uh, Will defines himself as a happy, grateful, recovered alcoholic, and, and that's who we want to be. We want to self-identify as a positive person experience, experiencing positive things in our, in our life. So I'm just going to mention a risk and I'm going to talk about the reward and I'm just going to walk through a few of these things and then, like I say, we'll, we'll call it a day. So the risk is stopping behavior I have used as a substitute for facing life. Man, you know, I, I didn't want to be a nothing but I knew if I used, I could be an almost. I knew I would never be something. I was convinced of that because I, I came from nothing. I wasn't nothing. And I was always going to be a nothing. So being, a, being an almost was everything to me. And it was hard for me to face life. So I knew that I had to continue in a particular behavior just so I could achieve that being an almost convinced I would never be anything. And, and I used that feeling as a substitute for facing life. Now, when I become willing to risk that, the reward is learning to live life as it comes one day at a time. And that is such a remarkable miracle but learning to live life as it comes one day at a time. And it's something that I hope everyone within this listening audience can experience because there is nothing like it. 
And when we talk about the power of one day at a time, I've been clean and sober for 12,590 days in a row. 12,590 days in a row. That is mind-boggling to me. I can't even get my head around that. But this is what happens when we become willing to take the risk. The reward comes to us one day at a time. The next risk, sharing what I feel and think with others. That's a big thing. I've said it before. You've heard me say it. I'll continue to say it. We are only as sick as our secrets. But I'm so afraid because no one likes to be found out. I was so afraid that you would find out that I was as inadequate as I thought I was. I was never inadequate. I just thought I was. And one of the ways that I became adequate is by sharing with you the areas of my inadequacy. So sharing what I feel and think with others was a real risk for me. But you know what the reward was? I found out that others think and feel very similarly. To find out that you're not alone is is so powerful. I remember being so afraid. I wasn't sure if I belonged in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I knew I wasn't belonging anywhere else. I, I had nowhere else to go, so I stayed. And I remember walking into the turning point for a meeting with the late lunch bunch at 12.30 in the afternoon. And I remember walking in, and up to that, I was just trying to find a way. I was just trying to be comfortable. And I'd already come back after my relapse. And I think I was about two or three months in to my recovery after April 25th. So it was probably like in September or 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 August of, of 1986. And I remember walking into the room and I realized that I was home. That just like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz at the end of the movie, that I never had to look any further than my own backyard. And the meeting rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and the other meeting rooms I would go into, OA, GA, SA, EA, NA, you name it, I was home. And the reason I was home was because I understood the similarity between you and me. And I was no longer this emotional outcast that nobody understood. That was my reward. That leads me to the next, the next risk. Trusting others with having a way out for me. I always thought everyone was against me. I thought you didn't understand. And I was so lost in my own inadequacy of being a nothing that I could not risk because once again, you would find out that I really was who I thought I was. And because I couldn't see me the way you saw me as a wonderful person, 
I didn't think you had a way for me to go to become well, to go from sick to wellness. And so I had to learn how to trust other stories and relate and finding that similarity between you and me. And the reward was gaining common relationships and no longer living in the bondage of self, self pity, self deprecation, self denial. There were common relationships that allowed me to be free. One of the one of the greatest friends of my entire recovery is Steve M. And some of you saw his 35-year chip on uh, Instagram uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And Steve was a remarkable friend and an individual. And Steve was one of the first people that I really connected with. And he showed me that there was a way that I could live that would allow me to be free. Steve has this great laugh and he will just burst out as slow will says, you know, we're not a glum lot. We will burst out into merriment over a seemingly tragic situation, but I'll say, why shouldn't we laugh for we have recovered. Steve understood that early on. And I really navigate, I really um, navigated toward that because that's the kind of feeling I wanted to have. I no longer wanted to live into the bondage of self. And based on the common relationships that I would gain as knowing that others had a way out for themselves, which means they could have a way out for me. The next thing and the final thing for today is letting go of things that bring me into a temporary fix, but are injurious to me. Right? I had to keep drinking. I had to keep using. I It was not like a panacea where I took it once and I was fine forever. I had to continue to get fix after fix after fix after fix. Even though they were killing me, I was trapped. And then, of course, with the scientific or the, or the clinical definition of tolerance, I had to begin to use more and more and more because what got me to not feel or gave me that temporary fix today, essentially I would need more tomorrow to achieve that same temporary fix. I had to learn to let go of those things, not only the chemicals, but the behaviors, whether it was the gambling, the bulimia, that would even bring me, and if you've ever struggled with bulimia, you understand what I'm saying. As strange as it may seem, there is a relieving, physical, and comforting sensation that comes from throwing up. And and, and I know that sounds crazy, because it is. There, there's, there's a mental imbalance with those of us who have felt that way. But the good news is we can recover from it. As I've shared with many of you, I was 18 months into my personal recovery over alcohol and drugs before I stopped throwing up at least two or three times a day. So we do recover. But when I'm willing to let go of those things that bring me a temporary fix, the reward, I become happy 
joyous and free, and I don't die prematurely or unnecessarily. And that is wonderful. I don't know how long I have. I'm 66 years old. I feel really healthy, but just recently there was diagnosed a, 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 an arrhythmia, a, a irregular heartbeat. So now I have a cardiologist and he says, I'm fine. I'm going to go mow my lawn today and I can do that and I'm physically fine, but I'm not going to die prematurely. I'm not going to die unnecessarily. I try to maintain health. My children demand it and my wife demands it, but I'm not doing anything really contrary to my living a healthy life because I learned how to let go of things that are a temporary fix. There are no temporary fixes. There's just a continual, constant moving forward with my recovery and my wellness. And one day at a time, we become well and even weller. And along the way, I become happy, joyous, and free. And when I die, I will die, but not prematurely or unnecessarily. I, I want to go out as a person who has enjoyed life and extracted the most out of my recovery as I possibly could because I understood that there is no reward if there is no risk. Now, you might have some other things, and I hope that you do. These, by the way, Jonathan, will make sure that these are all in the notes. And these are just some of the things that involve risk and reward. And I, and I sincerely hope you decide to travel down this road. I hope you find that the rewards far outweigh the risks. And once again, please support Recovery Guy. You can support us monthly by going to Patreon via recoveryguy.org. There's a drop down there, or you can go directly to patreon.com forward slash recoveryguy. Or go, if you want to just do a one time donation, Go to Venmo at Robert hyphen pardon hyphen the number three and give everything that comes in goes to freeing up my time so I can spend time with other people and make other investments in creating my outreach uh, to others so others can find this message of hope. Thank you for partnering with us. It means so much to us that you allow us to be a part of what you are doing, what we are doing, because the reality is that most everyone addicted to the degree that you and I fall under that behavioral challenge. Most people die or are incarcerated or lose everything along the way as so many of us have. If you are clean and sober today and have moved away from negative behaviors, then understand that we are the exception. We are not the rule. But I want to see how many more people we can help become the exception. Please have a blessed day. And as always, my name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy.